The future of the State Commission on Ethics and Lobbying in Government is looking rather bleak at the moment, following a recent court ruling by a state Supreme Court judge who sided with a lawsuit from Andrew Cuomo challenging the constitutional setup of the Ethics Watchdog, which has been trying to investigate the $5 million pandemic memoir the former governor secured in 2020. To understand the judge's ruling and what it means in the short term for ethics oversight in Albany and potentially the long term, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by David Grandow, who in a a previous life served as executive director of the now defunct State Commission on Lobbying and is now a consultant helping lobbyists and interested parties navigate the state's ethics laws and has been a vocal critic of the state's most recent efforts to police lobbyists and public officials in state government. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. And a vocal critic of the one that came before this one and a vocal critic of the one that came before that. Well, you are consistent. So what is it about the setup of the Commission on Ethics and Lobbying in Government, which led a judge in the Capital Region to determine uh, it was unconstitutional? Well, I mean, quite frankly, and this isn't a technical legal term, but it was goofy allowing a group of law school deans to have the final say-so on who would serve on this supposedly independent commission, just doesn't make any sense. I mean, no one voted for uh, Tony Crowell at New York Law School to be the the final arbiter of of who should be on this commission. Uh, That's what we put the governor and the the legislators there to do. And they abdicated their responsibility to the good government groups who wanted to do it this way, who finally got their chance to put their imprint on ethics reform. And quite frankly, they whiffed. Not a very well-thought-out process. Well, you mentioned the law school deans, and it's my understanding that the basic format for the creation of the commission was that uh, the governor, the attorney general, the comptroller, the legislative leaders all had a certain number of appointments which needed the final sign-off from the commission of Law school deans, this, uh, what was it, the IRC, I think is the acronym that they came up with. You're struggling to figure out why law school deans, you know, there's an old saying in the legal profession, those who can do, (laughs) those who can't teach, and those who can't teach become law school deans. I mean, they have no unique ability to pick the correct type or, or specific person to serve as commissioner. And I think given what's happened over the last year, They've proven that they have no ability to pick the right type of commissioner. All the conflicts that these, these commissioners that they selected have, mm-hmm. the lack of, of output and product. I mean, think about it. The very first thing that these commissioners did before they even had a full complement of commissioners was to hire back the very people that were roundly criticized at J-Joke for screwing it up the first time. And by J-Joke, you're referring to the Joint Commission on Public Ethics, the the nickname that you came up for the acronym. I actually didn't come up with it. It was was something that I stole from uh, the fellow from the Daily News, um, Ken Ken Lovett. Well, you get credit in the world. uh, Which I'll steal, but it was Ken Lovett's uh, acronym. But, I mean, that's that's what they come up with, this group of conflicted Mm -hmm. commissioners who pick... The same people that messed up Jacob, and you're going to bring them back. You can't, you can't change the name of the restaurant and expect the food to be any better when you have the same chef and the same ingredients. But getting back to this review process for the commissioners, it didn't seem like from the judge's ruling that their concern was necessarily that it was law school deans that were giving the stamp. It was that there was any sort of intermediary between appointments and the commission setting up, right? You're absolutely correct. I, I just think it's 
telling. And, and the judge, Judge Marcel, did note that these law school deans were just a bunch of urban dilettantes, um, which I thought was a nice turn of phrase. It could have been any group that you wanted to pick. I mean, God forbid they could have picked 15 noted journalists and let them you know, have the final say of who, who was going to get on this commission. The point was you couldn't turn that power over and, and be constitutional if you did so. And what about the number of appointments in terms of who they were delegated to? Because it seems like the judge had an issue with the executive essentially not having the majority or at least maybe a plurality of seats uh, yeah. on this commission. Uh, again, I, I think that you know, you're going deep into the weeds uh, when you look at the opinion to try to figure out what Judge Marcel was relying upon, he basically said, you can't turn this power over to anyone mm -hmm. that wasn't elected to, to do this job. It's an executive function and one that should remain in the executive branch. I, I'm, I'm past that. I mean, really, quite frankly, anyone that, that looked at this knew this is where we were going to end up. You know, was it going to be Governor Cuomo that teed it up? Was it going to be me in my lawsuit? Was it going to be someone else? But at some point, someone was going to say this was uh, not a very well thought out plan and it was doomed to failure from the beginning. And quite frankly, they've done us a favor. And I, and I think the governor and, and commission, Berlin and Davey, ought to take a step back and instead of just the knee-jerk reaction of we're going to appeal, we're going to fight it, we're going to ask the legislature to give us a you know, a, a, a new uh, legislative fix to this, mm -hmm. they ought to see it as an opportunity. Quite frankly, this commission failed quicker than any other ethics commission we've ever had. Uh, and they were doomed to fail from the minute they started. You, you, you take a look at, at the conflicts. You have a chairman whose husband um, is regulated by the commission. He runs an agency that, that is subject to the lobby law. You had another commissioner, Cardozo, who's been a very vocal in the forefront of, of making decisions there. He was employed by a law firm that was a registered lobbyist. He was on the board of Citizens Union, a registered lobbyist, on the board with Anthony Crowell, the head of New York Law School. I mean, the incestuous nature of, of the, these people is just unending. Um, and it took a little bit to find out all these conflicts. I had a, I had a foil there... Um, financial disclosure reports. And lo and behold, they didn't list their conflicts. They hid it. Cardozo didn't list that he was part of Citizens Union. Another one, James, Commissioner James, who's a vice president of the Defenders Association, a registered lobbyist, he didn't list that association on his financial disclosure report. Then you had Commissioner Austin appointed by Speaker Heasty. And within the first month, he's going to a fundraiser uh, gets caught. And quite mm -hmm. frankly, I'm the one that caught him. One of my clients told me they saw him there. I gave it to a reporter. The reporter wrote about it. And, you know, the knee-jerk reaction for the commission was, oh, please forgive us. We'll do better next time. No, you don't get that opportunity. You screwed up. You need to go. So coming back to something you said, though, you described the commission as a failure and have said essentially that any decision about the constitutionality is pretty obvious, at least in your mind, in terms of uh, that this is not a constitutional setup. But we've had another challenge to this setup really al already uh, in a court in central New York. And there, uh, a judge seemed to give a thumbs up to the Independent Review Commission. So is it fair to say that there is not necessarily a consensus on, on the legality of the commission? I think that's fair. Judge Lamondolo out in the Fourth Department relied upon a case from the early 1900s having to do with New York 
uh, pilot, harbor pilots, and uh, they were selected by, yeah, you're making a face, but that's what it was. It, I believe it's called the Sturgis case. So it's clear there's a difference of opinion between Judge Marcel, Judge Lemondola. It'll end up at the Court of Appeals, mm -hmm. but it was bound to end up there anyway. And what happens now, David? What happens while we wait for the appeal process to run its course? We're back to having no ethics commission. And people say, well, what's the big deal? Well, I'll give you a, a very real example. Um, anyone that watched last night's football game. Uh, and and this a, is Bill's Jets. Yeah, and as a Green Bay Packer fan, I took particular pleasure, unfortunately, in, in the game. But Governor Hochul was there at the game. Mm -hmm. Attorney General James was at the game. They were in a luxury box. Now, I don't know who paid for that luxury box. I don't know who provided it to them. I don't know if they had business before the state of New York. I don't know if there's a conflict. I don't know if it's an illegal gift under the Lobby Act. But you know what? I know no one's going to be looking at it today. Couldn't if they wanted to. And that's the way it's going to be for the next six to nine months until the appellate courts get through with the, the review. And I'm saying, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it if we get a shot at getting a different group of commissioners. Maybe we get lucky. Maybe we actually end up with commissioners that aren't lawyers, that aren't conflicted, that aren't related to people in the business. You know, Blair Horner and I have had this argument for years. It's not the structure. It's not the selection process. It's the people, stupid. Okay. And until we get the right people, we're going to have the same problem. So then how do you ensure that you are getting the right people? Doesn't that mean you need to have a process in place that leads to the right people? Yeah, sure, Blair. That's exactly the argument that Blair and the good government groups use. And I say to you, there is no assurance. There is no guarantee. Look, if the 15 law school deans, the finest legal minds in New York State, couldn't come up with the right ones, who can? And the answer is we don't know. Throw, you know, go outside and pick the first six people you bump into and tell them they're, they're on the next commission. Well, if we do that right here, they're probably going to be connected to some lobbyists. Or there'll be media types. You know, maybe that would be better. Let's get six people from the media in there because at least someone will be looking at it. What, is, what has this commission done in the year they've been there? Can you tell me? Well, that's we just recently talked with Sandy Berland about the past year, and they've talked about trying to do education outreach, and they've talked about uh, trying to get some of the investigative stuff up and running. But I want to pin you down, though, David. We need, we're going to pin you down. I'm and the I'm host. Not, I'm not going anywhere. And, and you can pin me down all you want. About how do you get these good people? You saying that just going out on the street is you know satisfactory, but that's tongue in cheek, and that is not a way to actually fill these seats. So, what is the correct process? Because if it's not having law school deans, it, first of all, is it having the legislature and the governor make appointments? Do we need to have that in order, one, for it to be constitutional, or do we need to rewrite the constitution? And, you know, how does that process actually look like? Yeah, from my perspective, yeah. and, and obviously I have an interest in it. I happen to have more lobby filings than anyone in the state of New York. I represent more clients than any other single compliance person. We deal with these people on a daily basis. Um, so from my perspective, I don't care how you do it because I'm going to keep an eye on the people you get. And when I find the conflicts, when I find the people that are just collecting the per diem, when I do that, I'm going to bring it to the public's attention, either through the media or through my own blog, and hopefully they'll be changed. And every time that this happens, if I can do anything to help uh, blow up the next, to use Kathy Hochul's language, because this Jacob, you know, she blew Jacob up. Well, okay, you can blow things up, but you've got to build something better. 
So this one didn't work. Swing and a miss. They didn't get the right people. Go get the right people. I've been the executive director of the lobby commission, gone through a lot of different commissioners. Some were very, very good. And some are still in this town that were very, very good. Some were absolutely horrible. And they're still around. You never know what you're going to end up with. You've got to just keep trying. It's no different than our elected officials. There's no guarantee that the people are going to elect the right representatives. Uh, we trust that the media will keep an eye on them, and when they find wrongdoing, they'll bring it to the public's attention, and the next election cycle will fix that mistake. That's the best you can hope for. Well, we've been speaking with David Grandow. He is the former executive director of the now defunct State Commission on Lobbying and is a consultant helping lobbyists and interested parties navigate the state's ethics laws. David, thank you so much. My pleasure. And after our conversation, we followed up on the questions that David Grandow raised about public officials attending the Monday night football game on September 11th. We determined that Attorney General Tish James was not actually at the game, as Grandow had misidentified her in a picture the governor posted. And we did not immediately get an answer from the Hochul administration about who paid for the governor's tickets and travel to the big game. And for more Capitol Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.